seated. Well, last night was a big night in the world of boxing. Did you guys know this? That last night was billed as the fight of the century, the fight between um, Floyd Money Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Did you know this happened last night? This was a huge, major event. Um, just getting into the ring, these two guys were going to make $108 million just to step into the ring. Win or lose, you're walking away with $100 million dollars. And so there was this long conversation on ESPN radio um, over the past few days about whether or not this truly was the fight of the century, if this is the biggest fight even of all time. And, and so I got to thinking about all the great fighters um, that went, went before these two guys. I got to thinking about uh, Joe Frazier and Mike Tyson and Sugar Ray Robinson and Joe Lewis and George Foreman. I mean, before he had a grill, he had boxing gloves and he was a real, he was a real boxer. And of course, Muhammad Ali. And, and when you think about Muhammad Ali for very, very long, you realize that he loved to talk. Did you notice this about Muhammad Ali? Like he was a trash talker. The crazy thing about Ali, though, was that most of the time he could back it up. I mean, he only lost four fights to, to two guys. I mean, four fights to two guys across his career. It's incredible, incredible, right? When he says, I am the greatest, he meant it. <laughs> and he had the strength and the power to back it up. He had a way with words. He had this way of rhyming, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You know, you know these, right? You know these? The I am the greatest poem. Yeah, he had a way with words. And, and so I was thinking about all of this, and I was reading through uh, the Gospel of John. And y'all are like, Where's the, where does this collide? Um, <laughs> I was reading through the Gospel of John, um, especially here in chapter 15, the text that we're going to be looking at today. And I began thinking about how John has a way with words. John, especially the Gospel writer John, is really, really good with poetry, um, with nuance in his words, and he does some very special and particular things all throughout his gospel with words, and um, especially with the word I am. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I am, seven different times. On seven different occasions, he says, I am, and then he goes on. In John 6, 35 and 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12 and following on in 9, 5, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But we'll have light, we'll have the light of life. In John 10, verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture or find rest, is another way that's translated. In John 10, the scripture we, we heard about last week, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's number five. Number six, excuse me, that's number four. Number five is John eleven twenty five, 25, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. You've heard these verses before, right? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then you get to the very last I am statement in John's gospel, and it's here in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine grower. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine grower. Now, some of you are thinking, I've heard this 
scripture text before about Jesus being the vine. And you have. In fact, last year, uh, Bill and I, we preached on this text as part of our John Wesley um, sermon series. We were sort of looking at the life of Wesley and how we might take on the kind of faith that he had. So you've heard this text before, but I want us to look at it again because it's a very important text when it comes to thinking about what it means to be filled with opportunity. We've been talking all through these first four weeks, three weeks of the series um, about how God fills us, that we're filled with his voice, that we're filled with mystery, that we're filled with amazement at what God has done through the resurrection and through the the appearances of Christ with the disciples and his ongoing work in our lives. And so today we're looking at how we're filled at opportunity and we're using John 15, 1 to 8 as a framework for that conversation. So if you will, uh, look in your Bibles or on your smartphones or in your bulletins this morning at the scripture text, John 15, verses 1 to 8. Jesus says there that I am the vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it to bear more fruit. You've already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. If you want to get at the gist of of what Jesus is getting at in this particular passage of Scripture, it's verse 8. That my Father is glorified by this, that you bear fruit, that your lives bear fruit, and you become my disciples. Y'all, I can't tell you how many times I've heard sermons about bearing fruit. I mean... We, you've heard sermons on bearing fruit, right? There, there's always a picture of grapes, and I'm going to show a picture of grapes later on. So if you're waiting on that, it's coming. Um, <laughs> they always show a picture of grapes and, talk, grapes and talk about fruitfulness. But we never talk about what that fruit looks like, and that's part of what we're going to be discussing this morning, is what does a fruitful life look like? Because if God is glorified by us bearing fruit and becoming Jesus' disciples, then that's got to look like something, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to be more than just this sort of mental thing where I'm bearing fruit. No, if you bear fruit, that fruit is real. It's, it's something that you can see and quantify. It's something that you can know, something you can experience. Fruitfulness is not some abstract thing when Jesus talks about it. It's a very, very real thing that happens in our lives. God is glorified when we bear fruit, and that's a true statement that God gets the glory when we get it right. When we take our lives and we put them in God's care, when we live and love as Christ lived and loved, when we embody love and grace, God is glorified. And here's one thing that I know not only is God glorified when we bear fruit and become Jesus' disciples. 
but everybody I know wants to bear fruit. You know this, right? Everybody wants to bear fruit. We all want to bear fruit. I've never met a single person in my life who was like, you know what? No, I don't think I want a fruitful life. <laughs> I'm just, I'm checking out on, on the fruitfulness thing. We all want to live a life of meaning and a life of purpose. We all want lives that make a difference in the world in which we live. We want lives that leave a legacy. We want to bear fruit. This is the kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about. We want to bear good fruit, fruit that lasts. I mean, nobody, nobody aspires to be the assistant to the regional manager, right? I mean, nobody looks at, at, at Dwight's fruit from the office and says, that guy, <laughs> he's my role model. Nobody does that, right? Nobody wants to be the assistant to the re- You want to be the regional manager or the vice president or the president. You want to leave a legacy. You want to make a difference. You want your work to be productive and fruitful. We want lives that bear good fruit. Nobody wants to be average, right? Nobody really wants to be average. No child in school dreams of middle management, right? When you talk to little kids about what they want to be when they grow up, what do they say? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. I want to be the president. I want to own a business. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a veterinarian. They always tell you things, uh, they always tell you vocations and jobs that make a difference in the world, that make a difference in people's lives. We're all wired to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit. Everyone I know, even if if they deny it outright, wants their lives to be unique and wants their lives to bear fruit. Everyone wants to have a fruitful life. But all too often, those very same people miss out on this essential truth. Not only does everybody want to be fruitful, but the only way that we bear fruit that lasts, the only way that we are truly fruitful is when we abide in Christ. The only way we remain fruitful in our lives is if we abide in Jesus Christ. I love that Jesus used the image of a grapevine. And here's your image of the grapevine coming up. There you go. Now we can all feel good about the sermon. Yeah. Jesus uses this image of a grapevine, right? He says, I am the vine... And you are the branches. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. It's so simple and it's so profound. A grapevine is a plant that has a central vine. You've seen a a grapevine, right? What the root of a grapevine looks like. You know, when you think about grapevines, you think about these long tendrils that sort of go out across a fence or across a wire like this does. But if you follow those branches, those tendrils, if you follow them all the way back to the main root, it's this great big stalk of a thing. You've seen this, right? You've driven by a grape orchard, right? Is that what it is? Well, yeah, we'll all be in that together. (laughs) A vineyard. Thank you. Thank you. Just drawing a blank. Um, (laughs) We've all been by a vineyard. Whenever the, the grapevines are dead, right? 
And you see these great big roots coming out of the vine, out of the ground. And it's from those roots that those far-reaching tendrils, those far-reaching branches get their nourishment and get their nutrients and get the supplies that they need in order to produce the fruit of the vine, to produce these beautiful-looking grapes. I mean, I want to go and pick some of those grapes because the grapes that I've seen don't often look like that. I mean, those are beautiful grapes. I hope they taste as good as they look. But they get their nourishment from the central root, the vine. And the branches split off and go for hundreds and hundreds of feet. In Hampton Court, there's a grapevine that's reported to be the oldest living grapevine. It's supposedly over 230 years. This grape, this, this, this grapevine has one root that is 12 feet around. Can you imagine that? A grapevine that has a root that's 12 feet around. And some of the branches are over 120 feet long. And despite... The grapevine's age, the vine still produces 500 to 700 bunches of grapes. It ends up being about 700 pounds of grapes year after year after year. And even though some of those branches are way out there at 120 plus feet, they still bear the same sweet and delicious fruit because they're connected to the vine. Each branch is connected to the source of life. The vine. Jesus in the scripture text is telling us the same thing is true for our lives. That the only way that we're able to bear fruit is by being connected to him. We don't bear fruit on our own. We bear fruit when our lives are connected to Jesus Christ. When we are connected to the true vine, we bear fruit as God nourishes us, feeds us, gives us strength and resiliency. And all we need not only to survive, but to thrive. We bear fruit when we stay in the vine. Because what we need in order to bear fruit flows through the vine. Now what does a fruitful life look like? We're talking about life in Christ. What does a fruitful life in Christ looks like? Well, if you look in the book of Galatians, there's this great, uh, great section of scripture where Paul outlines what the fruit of the Spirit are. A fruitful life in Christ looks like this. Now, I need your help because the only way I can tell you this in the right order is if we do hand motions. Are you okay with this? Okay. Everyone, hands up. Hands up like this. Say, the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. Okay, that was, that, was, that was a good shot, good start. We got three and four-year-olds that they get this week after week. So are you ready? Miss Shelley can help too. If, if you're lost, look at Shelley. She does this every Wednesday with us in chapel. Here we go. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I did that in a very adult manner. Here's how we do it on Wednesday mornings in front of the three- and four-year-olds. You ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want to join in? You guys need to come to PPEC graduation on the 17th. 
it's going to be amazing. You're going to see like a ton of three and four year olds doing this. It's really cool. It's really cool because they're learning this, that a fruitful life is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that God desires to grow within us, to grow inside of us. These are the things that give us nourishment and strengthen us along our journey of faith. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that helps us to be those who God created us to be. But here's the deal. Fruitfulness is not just about how nice a branch you can be. This is where we mess it up in the church all the time. Fruitfulness is not just about what's occurring inside of yourself. It's also about what's happening out in the world because you're embodying the life and the goodness of God. You see, whenever you're living a life that's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you're living a life that embodies those virtues that we see in Christ, then your life has to make a difference. If not, you're just like a dead branch. If all you're ever doing is soaking up those things and you're never sharing them, you may as well be a dead branch because you're not producing fruit. The goal of a branch from a grapevine is to produce more grapes, right? If you owned a vineyard and you had a grape vine that produced beautiful long branches but never produced any fruit, you'd tear that thing out the ground, wouldn't you? You'd burn it in a fire. It's worthless. It's useless. It looks pretty, but it's worthless. Fruitfulness is not just about what's happening happening inside of you. It's what's happening out there as a result of what's inside of you. Does this make sense? Are you with me on this? That fruitfulness is not just about me being a better person. It's not just about me abounding in love if I never share it. This text isn't just about you and your faith when Jesus tells us, that we're to bear fruit. We're to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to bear fruit in our lives that's more than just a deeper walk with our Savior, but fruit that makes a difference in this world. God fills us with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control so that we can share those very same gifts with the world in which we live. They're not there to be hoarded up and stored up so you can look like a pretty branch. They're there to be shared that your life might produce fruit for the kingdom of God. That others might say, hey, I see what's in that girl or that guy. I see the hope and the joy and the patience that's inside of him. I see the love that's inside of her. And that's what I want in my life. How do I get that? Whenever people begin to ask that question and we have the conversation that says you can have all of those things, all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control through an ongoing walk with Jesus Christ. And they say, I want that. Then we're bearing fruit. Then we're making a difference in the world. It's not just about more of the same for us. It's about bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. It's about calling others to come and find the source, the source of nourishment and strength that we know. 
It's about inviting others to find the hope that we've found. Not so that they can become a nicer person, but so that they too can bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Why? Because God is glorified. God is glorified when our lives bear fruit. The last thing the kingdom of God needs is more beautiful branches. What God desires is fruit. Don't just settle for a faith that's all about you and your personal walk. Share what you know with the world that the kingdom of God might grow. That others might become fruitful. Who knows, you might... You might meet someone whose life impacts thousands more than you ever could. But because you were willing to have that first conversation and share love and grace and hope and peace, that person is now making a difference for the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is meant to empower us to change the world. The only way we do that is if we commit to abiding in Christ. To allowing Christ to nourish, shape, and supply us. To occasionally be pruned. And pruning hurts. Pruning can be a painful process. But ultimately, it makes us more fruitful for God. And for God's kingdom. So this morning, as we head toward a time of Holy Communion, a time whenever we remember that God poured himself out for us, that we might have life. I want to invite you to take a look at your own life. Take a look at your own faith. Are you just a beautiful branch? Or are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Do you just have it all together on the outside? Or is God doing a mighty work on the inside that's making a difference in this world? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our supply, that you are our nourishment, that you are our strength, that you give us hope. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that transforms our lives. But help us to remember, God, that it's not just about our lives being transformed, but it's about transforming this world for your name and for your renown. Help us, God, to live as your disciples. Help us to receive this gift of grace that we might share grace with the world in which we live. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.